0: Welcome to The Course Reports, Master's Preview. What an episode we have for you today. We're going to bring you the real deal, behind the scenes, inside, insight into professional golf venues this week, Augusta National. We're going to talk about the turf. We're going to talk about the course with somebody that's actually played it 17 times, Mr. Jeff Sluman, 1988 PGA champion. I'm Curtis Tyrell, Certified Golf Course Superintendent, Master Greenskeeper. I'm your host. Welcome to The Course Reports. It's time to get on the green. It's time for The Course Reports. Well, it is an honor to welcome to The Course Reports a legendary professional golfer with 18 professional wins, including the 1988 PGA Championship at Oak Tree Golf Club in Edmond, Oklahoma, a veteran of the Ryder Cups, including 2012, Mr. Jeff Sluman. Jeff, welcome to The Course Reports.
1: Hey, Curtis. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, it is uh, really a special treat for myself to get to talk to you about yourself and your career and and your experience at Augusta National. But for our listeners, this is a real treat. So thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy on the Champions Tour. How's everything going so far this season?
1: You know, the year's been pretty good so far. We're just going to the the week after the Masters. We play four weeks in a row. So that will kind of really launch us into a good amount of play and the early part of the year we play a tournament or two and then take two or three weeks off so you know uh, a lot of players myself included like uh, they have a little bit of flow during the year and, and this will be our first opportunity to, to really kind of experience that
0: right right so when you have these weeks off like this how much golf do you get to play or do you try to play
1: Well, I'm living in Delray Beach now so I can play as, as much as I want down here in Florida <laughs> And you know that's a great question because uh, the older I've gotten uh, the less I seem to play but I probably practice just a little bit more on certain areas of the game that need the work and and that generally goes on a, on a week to week basis after a tournament you can tell if you're pretty sharp short game wise or off the tee and after uh, I'm closing in on 62 in September after all of the uh, professional tournaments I've played I certainly uh, know what i need to work on when the week is over
0: gotcha gotcha well let's just uh, run down your career a little bit i mean you've won 18 times six times on the pga tour six times on the champions tour and you're the 1988 pga champion at oak tree golf club in edmond oklahoma man you've been so successful and you've been out there a long time what an amazing thing for you
1: Almost every day I wake up and pinch myself and uh, realize how lucky I am to uh, have played this long competitively and this long, obviously, professionally and maintain my health. It's been a very, very not a good ride. It's been a great ride for me. I was not the type of player that you would have obviously picked coming out of High school or even college to have probably even made the tour, but as I tell young aspiring juniors there's really no secret, but I figured it out <laughs> whatever the figured it out was for me, I was able to to do that and you know have a very very successful long career that's still going on
0: absolutely you mentioned coming up a younger golfer. Grew up in Rochester, New York, and went to Florida State. So, you know, at what point in time did you really decide, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going for it?
1: Well, I qualified after I graduated from college. I qualified for the U.S. Open in 1980 as an amateur, and that was at Baltus Roll. And my actual train of thought was, oh, my gosh, this is unbelievable. I'm going to go up. I'm going to play in the U.S. Open lifelong dream that's it you know because i always wanted to turn pro but i didn't think i was good enough even in college so i went up there and that really was the uh linchpin for me turning pro i looked around i I watched the best players in the world play i watched them hit balls i played some practice rounds with wayne levy and keith fergus i did an honest assessment afterwards and I almost made the cut as an amateur, and wow. I took a step back and said, you know, I think I'm as good as these guys. I'm, I'm raw. I don't have, uh, you know, I hadn't played that much golf competitively as a junior player in Rochester or that much. Of, you know, I, I did play at Florida State, but I was way behind the eighth ball, way behind the curve as far as experience. So I uh, decided if I had a, a good summer amateur-wise, I would turn pro, and and I did, and I spent numerous years honing the craft, as they would say, and, and eventually got out on tour.
0: Right. So that was 1980. Yep. So eight years later, you were the PGA champion.
1: That's correct. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Hard to believe. I played the Asian tour for two years, mini tours down in Florida. Drove around the country in my car, trying to play in any one or two day events. So it was a it was an interesting road. Stayed in the YMCA in Singapore at $4 a night. That's all the money I had. So it was not, shall we say, an easy pass for me, but uh, I I think I appreciate it more because of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You worked hard, you earned it. That's, uh, you know, I love hearing the stories about, you know, what it takes for you guys to accomplish all the things you do, you know, it's just, it's different than every other sport really. And yeah. even today, you know, it's the complexions changed, but uh, yeah. you know, really, really great.
1: Well, you know, your, your point was well taken though. I earned it, but you know, even all the players today earn it, but some players, it's a little more difficult to earn <laughs> you know? it's a very difficult game.
0: Right. Right. You know, it's amazing, you know, just growing up around the game and having buddies that were really good at Addict played college golf and, you know, nobody made it that I, you know, that I grew up with. And there are a lot of guys that aspired to do it. It takes a real special work ethic and talent, obviously, to get to the level that you have. Let's talk about the PGA championship for a little bit at Oak tree in Edmond, okay. Oklahoma. I was curious, you know, what do you remember about the golf course conditioning back for that event? Just in terms of, you know, I, I showed the scorecard from that event playing at 7,015 yards, which I think is interesting. That, uh, And we'd love to hear what you think about the distance then and today in major championships. But also the quality of the turf and the particular conditions that you had when you shot a final round 65 and won that thing.
1: Well, I would say first and foremost, what I remember about the week is different than maybe let's say some of the Europeans, they came over, Oklahoma, August, they were not ready for Mm -hmm. the heat. We, on the other hand, or the American players, and I had played the week before in Memphis, I thought because we had about a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind every day that it wasn't hot at all. (laughs) So physically, it took a toll on a lot of guys. And as you know, windy, sunny, warm weather takes a toll on the golf course. But the golf course was in terrific shape, and the rough was deep, and it was uh, penal to be in there. Greens were relatively fast. I don't think they could get them super fast in those conditions because if it blows a little too much, as we all know, you can't put on greens like that.
0: Right, right. Well, that's a real hard part of the country to grow grass in general but in august for a pga championship i don't think it can get any more challenging but that's interesting yeah. what you said about the wind that week
1: yeah it was coming out of the same direction every day which i thought was a big help it, it would have been uh, an extremely difficult golf course to play if say the wind had shifted to the north but it came out of the southwest consistently all week and that's how the golf course Pete Dye had built it and set it up that way and it was renowned at the time as the world's most difficult golf course. I don't know if you remember that but that's what that's what they had talked about and I ended up shooting a pretty good four round score. I think everybody was a little surprised that the, the scores were that low.
0: <laughs> right. Well, 65 on the final day. Pretty darn good right there. That's putting a stamp on it. You know, I remember back in 2012 One of the things that surprised me, and I don't know why, but it did, that, you know, you and Davis each day of the event were asking me about the wind and it was like your first question, (laughs) you know, more than you asked about green speed or you asked about, you know, anything else that we were doing on, you know, you guys would check on us in the morning and you wanted to know what the wind was like out there. And so obviously you guys consider that to be a major factor in, in how you strategize and get yourself around and win events.
1: Yeah, I would say that the wind is the, is the one uh, variable that really causes a lot of issues for tour players to consistently hit the shots that they want to hit. If it's a little gusty or if it's uh, kind of shifting, it can really, really uh, play on your mind, your club selection, how hard you want to hit at the shot type that you, you might want to play, a low fade versus a high draw. And then, of course, Davis had, relatively speaking, control of the pin placement. So you didn't want to necessarily put a pin that was going to be downwind right over a bunker or nobody could get it close. So you try and play to the, the strengths of, uh, of your team that way in the, in the Ryder Cup.
0: Right, right. And just a, more of a definition of how different the game is at your level compared to the rest of us. You know, we're just we're just trying to put the the center of the club place on the ball and we got the wind in our face or behind us really but <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so are we <laughs> i think we just do it more often
0: <laughs> right right well i want to talk about your ties to rochester just a little bit later yeah but the goal of this podcast jeff and what we're trying to do is just really offer some information for golfers and golf fans about the golf courses that you guys are playing each week. You know, we're going to go week by week and if there's four or five tours playing, we're going to try to talk about the golf courses that are out there and who won the event last year, who's growing the turf, who designed the golf course and talk about anything that might be interesting about that, you know, as superintendents people find out what we do and they always want to know, you know, like, tell me more about that grass. You know, they, they, there's a lot, a lot of interest out there about it. And so we're just trying to get that out there. And this being master's week, obviously we're talking about the, one of the iconic venues in, in the history of the game and you've played in 17 masters. Do I have that right? You have that. Correct. Wow. That is something else. I I have you at your best tournament was in 1992 tied for fourth. 1997 tied seven and 98 tied eighth.
1: You know, it wasn't a, it was a golf course. I I really thought I could do well on and and possibly win until kind of the, I guess you could say the tiger effect came in and they lengthened it and uh, did a whole bunch of changes that uh, it really kind of, I wouldn't say devastated, but it really affected players like me that hit a a similar distance a lot of the par fives became just just out of our reach and the other guys could get them there and you know that's the whole masters is we've all watched you got to eat up the par fives to really have a chance to win i I would venture to say every winner has played the par fives extremely well that year that they've won i would uh, find it hard to believe they wouldn't be probably a top 10 par five player that week if they've won
0: right right that's interesting you know back to when you were tearing it up out there prior to the tiger effect we'll call it in 1992 you also were the runner-up that year in the u.s open at pebble beach so you were playing the planet's best golf courses pretty good that year
1: yeah that was a pretty good year i think i finished 10th or 11th in the pga that year also so i definitely had my game in fine form uh during the Thursday through Sunday of the majors those that year. And it was, a, it was a fun year because anytime you've got a chance to win a tournament, it's great. But anytime you have a legitimate chance to win a major, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of pressure coming down the last nine holes. And, um, you know, it challenges you to step up and hit the shots that, you know, you're capable of hitting. And, you know, there's a lot of times you don't do it. But when you do, you feel very accomplished when you get done.
0: Oh, man. Absolutely. You know, the master's experience from your perspective as the player, you know, what's it like to be a participant in that event? You know, when you show up for the week and, you know, from it's a week of the year that all of us are just waiting for. Right. But for you guys, what's that experience like? Can you categorize that or explain that?
1: Well, I'd say this: first of all, it's the greatest drive in golf when you go down Magnolia Lane especially the first time you're excited and the thing you don't want to do. I didn't want to do, I shouldn't say, not, I can't speak for every pro, but you don't want to get there too early. You know, you wouldn't want to get there the weekend before. And I always got edgy if I was in a place too long. So I I like to show up Monday, mid morning, play nine 18 holes, Monday, 18 holes, Tuesday, and then just nine holes on Wednesday and just kind of relax and, you know, kind of see where the state of your game and play the part three which was amazing yeah. had more as much fun playing the part three tournament on wednesday as, as you could possibly have it, it's fun they've got it set up for it's on tv now for shots to funnel towards the holes and and they you know, make hole in ones and the crowds are amazing and it's really a, one of the most wonderful weeks as a professional you can spend and and if you've played well or obviously have the opportunity to win, or obviously won the tournament, like, you know, Freddie and Bernhard and guys of, of my age. It's got to be the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. Oh.
0: Well, how does it compare to the other majors? You know, obviously they're all their own thing. But, you know, is the aura, the excitement, is it different in any way at the other majors? Or, or how how is the Masters different?
1: I think the Masters is, is quite a bit different because it's the only major that, Stays in the on the same golf course, sure. same venue every year. Yeah. So everybody is familiar with it. Everybody gets the same house to rent, or you get the same car, and you know exactly where to go. And you know you, you uh, register in the, the building and say hello to the everybody there and get over the range. And everything's you know they get fourteen different kind of golf balls for you to hit, and it's just spectacular and when you go to other new venues when I mean, you're kind of honestly searching around usually the first day or two where's this where's that if i need to cash a check where do i go right, or right. you know where's where's family dining and you know it's you're just the way it is right. but uh, when you step foot on, on augusta you know that the golf course on the other side of a clubhouse is going to remain basically the same it might be a little longer in spots but Greens are going to be the same. Fairways are going to be the same. You know how they're going to cut them. You know where the pins are going to go. And it's right out in front of you. So I think that leads into feeling very comfortable being there if you're fortunate enough to play You know, or know you're going to play two, three, four years in a row. And then you you know, become very, very comfortable. Sure. How often do you go back? I try and uh, the last – I've been going back on Friday as a tournament with a group of guys the last couple – Six, seven, eight years, and uh, I'll be there on Friday this year. And, uh, you know, it's all good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, we were talking about the, the golf course earlier and just in general, overall, you know, what would you say the toughest holes are out there? And, and let's maybe let's keep Amen Corner for, you know, another discussion uh, afterwards. But other than Amen Corner, you know, what holes, you know, do people not realize or stand out from your perspective as just being, special in some way?
1: Well, I think three is an extremely difficult hole because of the green complex. And I believe that's the only green complex they've never changed there. Now I could be wrong, but I believe that to be true. It is crazy difficult. You better be within a couple of yards on your wedge shot if you've laid up. And now the guys hit it so long that they're taking a gamble of ripping it down there. But you better hit a perfect drive to put it in a good position to even pitch up on that green. Mm. So three is is a hole that looks very easy until you actually play it, and you will respect that hole because it'll jump up and bite you at some point in time. And I also think that on the front nine, number seven is probably as difficult a hole on the entire golf course. It it used to be about four hundred or about say three hundred eighty yards, and now it's about four sixty. And the green is might be the excluding number twelve. It might be the narrowest green on the golf course. I, I had trouble stopping nine irons on there. If I played it now, if I'm hitting a six iron or a five iron. I don't know how you could stop it on that green. To me, those two holes on the front, course number one, you're nervous. You want to hit a good tee shot, but the, you know the, the fairway is pretty wide and and the green's pretty big, so they give you ample room to uh, hit a nervous Nelly kind of tee shot out there and and still get it up on the green. Yeah,
0: you know, seven, that's got some elevation, some kind of sneaky elevation. I mean, it's not, you know, some of those holes, they just smack you in the face with the topography, but that one, you know, it climbs quite a bit.
1: Yeah, a little more than you think, And, and that affects the ball coming in as far as, you know, being able to stop it as quickly as you'd like. Just coming in, it pure geometry, right? I mean, it's it's green, green's higher. It's going to land a little firmer
0: for sure. So tell us about Amen Corner. Obviously that's a, you know, when, when you make the turn to the back nine of the masters, you know, it's some of the the best viewing for a spectator or a a viewer on television. It's, you know, it's just, everybody's waiting for that. What's it like going through Amen Corner?
1: Well, when you're playing well, you look forward to it because I think you can You know, you can make a couple of birdies. Uh, The 11th hole is ridiculously uh, difficult to even get the ball on the green, I I would say, in regulation. I remember Ben Hogan's quote, if I've hit it on the green in regulation here, I've pulled my second shot. You know, (laughs) he always tried to play it just just right of the hole and and try and get it up and down with a simple chip, if there is such a thing at Augusta as a simple chip. But, you know, 12... Pins left, I mean, these guys are hitting wedge in there now. Probably a nine iron. Pins to the right, they're probably hitting an eight iron. These are the best players in the world. If you're playing well, shape the shot, you've got a decent chance. But that wind down there swirls like you've never, you, you can't even imagine. You look at, you look at your caddy and he's got the wind chart out there and it's left to right and in and you look at the flag and it looks like it's down right to left. That, is well, when we talked a little earlier, that drives crazy because you'd have to totally trust the wind. You can hit a great looking shot on 12 and end up over in Augusta Country Club. <laughs> I've seen it happen and I've seen guys hit beautiful shots and it's not even close to, you know, getting on right. the green or carrying right. the water. But 13, 13's a, you know, a hole that the tournament winner is going to play three to five under probably for the week. It was a particularly difficult hole for me because getting it really up and around the corner was problematic, and then the uh, you kind of got a little hook lie and off the grass, and and that's another shot that you have no idea that plays at least a club uphill, and it doesn't look like that. It never does, but that's that's a hole that if you think your yardage says five iron, you better hit a four. It's just a sneaky hole, and you always think you're gonna. Hook it too much because you got a hook lie, and I mean, I, I could have filled up the creek with the balls <laughs> I hit into the right. So <laughs> you always kind of, you know, at least I did, and and most of the players that struggle on that hole would hit a shot over to the right, and that's uh, that's right. <laughs> not good. I can tell you that you'd you'd much rather really just right. wheel it left with a big hook than miss it to the right because you can kind of still get the ball up and down, but something in your mind doesn't seem to allow you to do that.
0: How about coming in once you've made it through there? You know, is there a certain hole that people wouldn't expect to be harder than you think?
1: Well, I think with the Eisenhower tree gone, that 17 is an easier drive now. That was a, uh, back in the day, especially with a, I know this is dinosaur golf here, a wooden steel shafted club with a regular of ball. That tree came into play almost for everybody. So you had to really hit a beautiful drive or curve it around it. I think it's a much easier driving hole now than it, than it used to be. But that green sits up on a very exposed area. And it's uh, I can count if I had, let's see, say 65 tournament rounds there, or 64 tournament rounds. I can count the number of times I hit it close there on the one hand. Wow. It was a very difficult shot to, to judge correctly a lot of wind up there it was so exposed and uh, when jack made that birdie in 86 that was really something cuz i hadn't played it then i played it the following year and that was amazing to me is how difficult that uh, that hole was right
0: well you know you talked about the the eisenhower tree being gone and you know the golf course changing a little bit over the years You know, do you have a feeling one way or the other about, you know, where the whole game is going with rolling back the ball and some of the other things that are being discussed?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I really don't. All I would say is, and I said this at the time, it was 89 or 90 when Curtis Strange made a million dollars in official money. I said, let's see where this game is in 15, 20 years, because I believe talent follows money. And I... Thought that people from around the world were going to see. Oh my gosh! You know, somebody can make a million dollars playing golf. Yep. And let's see what kind of athletes are going to start playing golf, right? I, would Dustin Johnson be playing golf if tournament purses were, you know, thirty-six or fifty thousand dollars to win? No, maybe, maybe not. Right. I don't know. But you know, they're not there. They're you know, it, it seems like. You win a tournament now, it's going to be a million-eight or close to $2 million for the win. And and I think it's great. We've got bigger, stronger, better athletes playing the game of golf because of this. And it could be any argument. They're trained better now. they got track men. They've had coaches, most of them, their whole life. And now you're encompassing the whole world, which is even more the biggest slice of pie of people you could have, right? And you narrow it down to... Basically speaking, the top 150 players in the world playing our tour. I mean, it's the level of play is incredible out there.
0: Yeah, it it's really be interesting. I think with that level of athlete playing some of the older equipment. I mean, uh, you know, you talk about how the the tournament has changed for guys that can't hit it quite as far. Imagine if the equipment was, you know, leveling the playing field, but yet you still had this level of talent like we currently do, you know, what that game might look like. You know, I'm not, I'm not proposing it, you know, I'm not suggesting they they should do it, but it's just interesting that your, your point about what has changed and the level of talent and how now the golf course and, and especially one like Augusta is different for a guy, you know, like yourself and others, you know, it just poses a pretty interesting question.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing with the driving distance issue is essentially when I was on tour and I'm just throwing round numbers out, but I would say 85% of the guys were from the longest hitters to, you know, maybe not the shortest, but were within 20 to 22 or three yards, 25 yards max from Mm -hmm. each other. Now it can be up to 45 or 50 and that's the problem. I mean, in, in a perfect world, if they wanted to, bring it back, you have the lesser hitters hit a ball that would still go the same yardage, but the big hitters would be capped at 300. So they only had a 25 yard advantage instead of 30, 40, 50 yards. But you know that's for engineers to figure out, and probably pretty yeah. much impossible to figure that one out. <laughs>
0: yeah, who knows where it's going to go? You know, we'll uh, right at least me anyway. I'll stick to grass and that kind of technology. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, and so that brings up the conditioning at Augusta. Obviously, the finest conditions you're going to find anywhere. It sets the bar around the world in a lot of ways. You've got hybrid bermuda grass that is overseeded with perennial ryegrass or perennial ryegrass blends which gives it that really rich dark green color and some incredible lies in the fairways in the rough and what's it like walking down those fairways you know in terms of conditioning
1: well to your point it's as good as it's going to get golf course is received tender loving care 365 days a year i don't think you can find anywhere even where the spectators are walking that isn't perfectly manicured they just go out of their way to make it just so perfect as a condition for you to play and play the best golf that uh, that's all you can ever possibly ask of a condition of a golf course it's fun it when it's windy (laughs) and the greens are running 13 and a half your nerves are fried it's quite a challenge but you hit putts that you can't believe are going to break 10, 12, 15 feet, when you just barely get them moving. And I remember one year, it, it was kind of interesting. They had a pin on the right front of 10 and 16. I had two beautiful shots in there, about three and a half feet above the hole. And I told people that I was, you know, we were staying together. I said, they said, well, you missed both those putts. I said, yeah, I, I did. I said, but I did make par. And they kind of looked at me. And I said, I, I honestly didn't. I wasn't really trying to make the putt, but if the putt went in, I was going to be happy. But I didn't want to, and what I mean by that is, go ahead and hit a nice firm one. If it catches the hot top lip or something, <laughs> I was probably going to have 40 feet, and I was not right. I was not right. willing to take that risk. And that's what happens there. You can kind of scratch your head and say, oh my gosh, I just hit a beautiful 8-iron in on 16 to that right front pin, and... Hit it a little hard, top lip spins out, and it goes to the front of the green. I mean, you see it happen every year.
0: Does Augusta National test your ability to concentrate and dial in your focus to a degree that the other majors – don't or i mean I, I can't imagine us open or any of the pga championship any of them don't i mean you have to be dialed in but is there some unique element to that because i mean what you're describing there and the level of detail and focus that you're paying attention to there i mean to do that for four rounds i mean that's something else
1: yeah i think your angles into the greens are very very important there and then you have to understand where the pin is and sometimes 30 feet below is better than five feet above. So you you have to know when to kind of attack a pin. Sure. And you need to be on the correct side. Golfers, professional golfers, typically don't like to start a iron shot with the thought in their mind of, where do I want to miss it? But you have to kind of have that in your brain a little bit there and say, okay, I'm not going to, you know, maybe it's a different way to say say this, but okay, it's a perfect seven iron to the pin. But if I hit it five yards long, I can't make par. So why don't we get an eight iron, twenty five feet? And maybe I can make
0: this. Yeah, man, that's something else. You know, the the condition of the golf course there, you know, has created what we call in our business, the Augusta national syndrome, where, you know, the members at the clubs around, you know, anywhere watch the masters and they come back out to their club and they want to know why their golf course can't be like Augusta. And I think, you know, you said it already that it's a given tender, loving care every single day of the year. And and what's different about that at Augusta compared to the everyday club is closed for the summer and they prepare all summer long that Bermuda base to be just that, a base for the ryegrass overseed. They obviously do it every year to perfection, so they've got that dialed in, and then Growing bent grass in that part of the country is not easy all summer, so they've got pretty much every level of technology available to them. In fact, they have it all available, whether they use it or not is another thing to you know, protect and keep those greens healthy through the heart of that window while they're closed, so they don't have the impact of golfers on it or any over implications from maintenance at that time. And then they're able to find their slot as the fall comes in, it really just crescendos up to a peak. That is Masters Week and is pretty much perfection, if if that does exist.
1: Right, it's quite a place. I don't know when they overseed, if it's October or late September, but you know it's it's done. It's done perfectly, and you're not going to find a bad lie out there.
0: Uh, You know, when I was there, I was looking outside of the ropes as I was walking around as a spectator for anything I could find. Couldn't find a thing. And the other superintendents that I was there with, none of us could. It's just, you know, (laughs) it's that perfect. You know, the bunkers there, Jeff, are big and deep and groomed perfectly. Um, Are there any bunkers out there that, you know, from your perspective, you just, in a tournament play, you can't get in?
1: If the pin's back right on 16, you hit it in the right bunker. You know, pretty much, unless you've hit maybe the greatest bunker shot of your life and unless it hits the pin it's probably going to go down and be that 40 footer coming back up back up that uh, that swale 10 is the same way if you hit in that right bunker the pin's right front you just can't leave short side yourself with any kind of slope going away so again that pin looks very easy on 16 on the back right well i'm a pro i can hit a seven iron there or an eight iron and you push it one yard Two yards, and you can make five. Let alone not even four, because you can blast it out 40 feet and 3 putt that, and you know, kind of, right? You know, go to 17T, scratching your head, saying, uh, "This isn't <laughs> the type of shot that I, nor you know. I mean, I thought I hit a pretty good shot, 15 feet from the hole, and I make five. So that, to me, is was worst miss in a bunker out there at Augusta."
0: All right. Well, do you have any predictions for this year's tournament? Anybody you think is uh, peaking at the right time?
1: You know, you have to love Rory, just the way he plays. He's the best driver of the golf ball out there. Probably Dustin also, you could say, is as good a driver as Rory. Both those guys hit it so good, so solid. Got plenty of experience out there. I think they're getting more and more comfortable with the golf course so I would venture to say, with nine holes to go, I would be shocked if both those guys didn't have a chance.
0: Yeah, well, that'll be fun to see what happens. Uh, it's always exciting to see. I, I am pulling for Tiger. I want, I want Tiger to win. I'm just going to go on record of saying that.
1: <laughs> well, you know, he's got plenty of experience, and he might be the best player that I've ever seen hitting the ball the proper distance. Which is, I think is the biggest key at Augusta. He doesn't miss that iron and hit it three yards further than he thought. He's seemingly always pin high or always under the hole with a legitimate chance to make a lot of birdies. And uh, I think that's besides all of his other things that he does so well. But I, I think that's one of the unnamed things that has led to such success for him, not only Masters League but throughout all of his. His wins in, in, uh, since he turned pro. He's, he's an amazing at getting the ball to the exact distance that he wants.
0: Well, it's going to be fun to see what happens. And, you know, looking forward out to the season uh, for you. You've got, uh, you know, a great season ahead of you, but in particular, the senior PGA championship is coming back to Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, where you're from and where you were inducted into the Oak Hill. Hall of Fame in 2017 so this mm-hmm. is going to be a big event you played really well last time it was there uh, how are you feeling about going home for this major
1: well I think it's, it's going to be a wonderful experience that I didn't believe would happen again after 208 I didn't uh, I wasn't sure I'd be playing in 219 I certainly didn't nor did Oak Hill know at the time that they were going to host it so uh, it came as quite a surprise a few years ago when they announced that that was going to be the site. I've been aiming to, uh, you know, be ready that week. I'm 11 years older than I was, and there's a big difference between 51 and 62. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a great week for me, irrespective of uh, how I play. But I, I think I, I can still get around that golf course pretty <laughs> yes. well. So we'll see. You know, as long as the weather isn't 55 and rainy and windy all, all week, which it sure. could possibly be. But if we get catch a good... Week of weather, I know Jeff Corcoran's going to have the golf course in terrific shape. It was uh, an extremely difficult setup in 208 with heavy rough, and I'm talking heavy rough. Maybe almost every player to a man said they'd never seen rough like this in their entire career. So I think they're probably going to cut that back a little bit, but the golf course is going to be a, is a unique challenge. Uh, you better drive the ball particularly well because the fairways are basically 26, 28 yards wide. And so there's a big premium on driving it well. Yeah, I'll say. I'll say.
0: Looking out through the Champions Tour, are there other courses that you, that you go through on the regular rotation that you like in particular that stand out to you as is, is really uh, interesting layouts and or in particularly good condition?
1: Yeah, there's an interesting layout we play in uh, Des Moines. It's called Wakanda. It's a very hilly golf course that you're hitting a lot of curveballs, which you don't see anymore. You know, you get a high hook low slice and keep them in there and it's hilly and uphill downhill shot i think shot making wise that's as, as a unique a golf course as we play all year and it, it is a lot of fun to play so you know if you're yeah. ever in des moines and it's uh and it's in great shape you know and, and i would say not everybody loves that type of golf anymore but i think when we were growing up that's what we played a lot you know and you could really maneuver the ball and 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 uh hit the high and then the low shots and run them up. And I think it's, it's one of the rare golf courses that still demands that you, you do that.
0: You know, you obviously have a real affinity for golf course design and such. Have you uh, have some projects of your own that you're working on,
1: I'm going to be involved with Andrew green in uh, the restoration of Oak Hill. Uh, we're going to do it this year. Wow. We have Donald Ross's notes from uh, the historian at Oak Hill and all of his green complexes and everything. And, and as you know, and everybody is listening, a lot of greens throughout time shrink just through maintenance practices. So we've had a lot of greens shrink, and we've also had a lot of greens from years of sand being thrown up on the on the greens, some areas that are untenable anymore. So we're just going to bring it back to where it was, build a couple new par threes. One's going to look... Uh, similar to the uh, West course fourth hole at Oak Hill. And one's going to be similar to another hole that Donald Ross built in, in Rhode Island. And then we're going to put back the old number six at Oak Hill, which was renowned as one of the top 18 holes in the country. And they put two holes in there a long time ago, but we're going to have about a 510 yard hole. That's going to be as difficult and, but very fair holes at the, I think the players will see when they come there in 2023 for the regular PGA.
0: Wow. That is going to be a premier project. Hopefully we'll get the chance to follow up with you and Andrew and Jeff on that. Have you? Are you guys going to do anything different with the grasses on the greens or fairways or anything like that?
1: You know, Jeff Corcoran got his, his model down and I believe all the grass is being grown in Pittsburgh right now. So he's got his mix there. And when we Redo all the greens, and Jeff will be there to make sure the mix is exactly like he wants. And we'll do uh, call him up down in Pittsburgh and tell him how much grass we need for four holes. We're gonna do it like four holes, five holes, four holes, five holes. Okay. So we'll uh, come in and sod it and uh, cover it up. Hopefully before Halloween, and the course should be ready to go for the members by Memorial Day in uh, in 2020.
0: Very cool, very cool. Well, before we uh, let you go, Jeff, you know, do you have a favorite major? I, you know, all of us that are spectators of the game, fans of the game, you know, there's always a debate around the bar. You know, what's your favorite major? You know, some guys like one more than the other. Do you have one other than the 1988 PGA Championship? But do you have one that stands out from a spectator or viewing perspective that you enjoy the most?
1: I really enjoyed the U.S. Open year in and year out. Loved to go to new venues see how difficult it was and man you had to be really on your game I mean all the majors you do but this one in particular was so penal so difficult and you didn't know exactly where they were going to put pins you had to just be ready for almost anything that they would throw at you and and I I really did like that a lot
0: right right well this year they're going to be at Pebble Beach so You know, that's a whole nother discussion on its own. So, you know, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. And I know that our listeners are really going to enjoy having listened to you. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a, a great week watching the masters and I hope your champions tour season is fantastic. Top of the charts. And, and, uh, your event at Oak Hill this year is a winner for you.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Curtis. And, uh, always a pleasure talking to you and, uh, Look forward to the rest of the year It's going great for uh, you know all of professional golf. I think it's exciting to watch these young players. I think it's great to have Tiger back and playing well. And you know you can never discount Phil at the Masters. Um, I think it's just going to be fantastic.
0: Awesome. Well, hopefully we can get you back on to talk about that Oak Hill project. But again, thank you, Jeff Sluman, for being on the Course Reports.
1: You got it. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for listening to the Course Reports. We hope you enjoyed our master's edition. Please share it with all your friends and check us out on the coursereports.com. You can get us on iTunes, Google Play, and be on the lookout for our YouTube video coming out soon. Again, thanks again for listening. We'll check you next week.